Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 245. And this is kind of our year-end wrap-up, and to help me in that uh, enviable duty is a writer, two-wheeling reporter, Brian Robinson. Hello, everyone. And over-the-edge reporter, Greg Carlos. Hello, hello. And we're thrilled to be joined today from Charleston, South Carolina, our MotorWeek Retro Review guru, Ben Davis. Good to see all you guys, too. Yeah, don't rub it in. I know it's about 20 degrees warmer down there than it is up in, uh, in Maryland. Uh, looks like we've got a couple of vehicles we're going to talk about. Uh, Benny's going to talk about what he's been up to with our retro reviews, which have proven to be enormously popular. We're fortunate to say that on our YouTube channel. We've got a lightning round where we'll sort of look back at uh, 2020 and try and find something good to say about it. We've got a viewer question from um, Bowman. I believe it is. Um, and um, let's see what else. I guess a rant and rave, and then we'll wrap it up. But let's start with, um, you know, everybody's talking about battery electric vehicles. That seems to be all we've heard about almost the entire year. Um, however, Toyota has not given up the guns on uh, fuel cell electric vehicles. And they have revamped their Toyota Mirai sedan. So the 2021 Toyota Mirai FCEV, uh, totally different chassis. Uh, I think a, a different look. Uh, what do you uh, three think about it? Is it is this Toyota just sort of beating their head against the wall uh, one more time because uh, they've sort of lagged behind everybody in, in a battery electric? What do you think? Uh, yeah, they for some reason are committed to the uh, hydrogen fuel cell cars. Um, I know 15 years ago, like almost everybody was working on them. Mm -hmm. um, they, everyone else kind of abandoned it now. The plug-in electrics are becoming much uh, more viable. Uh, but uh, Toyota definitely sees a market for those that can't have a charger at their place. Here's another option for an electric vehicle, which hydrogen cars are technically electrical vehicles. They just get their power from a hydrogen fuel stack instead of from a battery. Uh, I'm not an engineer, but that's how it works. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, this one is, uh, it's much different. Last one was more of just a, hey, let's try this. This is the goofy science project. This one is more of a real car. Mm -hmm. They, uh, it's built on the Lexus uh, LS chassis. Um, they it looks, have a- Looks like a Lexus too, I think. Absolutely, it does. And that was, uh, some people were questioning that. Why not call it a Lexus? Get more high end with it. Um, they do have a higher end trim level. Uh, they wanted to keep it a Toyota to try to get more people, to, as many people to buy it as possible. Um, more range than last year, uh, up to 402 miles. Um, price is down almost 10 grand to $50,000. Um, I guess the really only sticking point is California is the only place you can buy them because they're the only places that have fuel stations. Uh, they're working on some up in the Boston area, but that's still a couple years away. So uh, uh, that's about it. That was a really good uh, synopsis. What do you two, the other two, think about any compact, any comments on the Mirai? Uh, I was intrigued to listen to what Brian had to say about it. I'm not too familiar with it because I'm out of that, out of that ballpark a little bit. But um, Greg, you've been silent so far. Yeah, well, I mean, kind of like FCEVs. I'm running silent these days. Uh, the uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Honda's the other one who's still doing uh, uh, fuel cell vehicles. Um, I think the Brian had mentioned it in our uh, first drive. He wrote the script for that, and I was supposed to drive it, but you know, 2020 being 2020, we missed that opportunity. Um, the advantage is like not having to to wait if you're on 220 yeah. volt. You can fuel it up, and they claim it takes as long as it takes to fill up a normal gas car. And I've done it with Honda's Clarity, and that's not the case. It, it does take a little longer, but for all intents and purposes, I mean, it's a few minutes. You just stand there, you fill it up. It's pretty easy to do. Um, the only issue is you got to be in California right now. Uh, I do think it's cool that they actually like really tried to make this like a a traditional looking car yeah. and like really go upscale with it because if you look on the inside i think they actually do a better job than lexus does a lot with their interiors i mean it looks more intuitive you still have that toyota um little um stick shifter the joystick shifter that you'll see in their prius hybrid um mm -hmm. so yeah you know i, I think it's cool it, unfortunately i don't think we're going to see them really compete with battery electrics but the fact that there is an option available i think it's it's still good everybody likes to have you know an alternative yeah, I'm uh, Brian. Maybe you know, uh, is Hyundai still uh, making their um, fuel cell? Hun yeah, Hyundai does as well. Honda, Hyundai, and Toyota, I think, are the only three. Yeah. But. So we'll see. I did read something this week there where the head of Toyota was basically almost, it was labeled angry about um, how everybody's uh, gravitated towards battery electrics. And I guess because they've been lagging behind, but knowing Toyota, they'll catch up pretty fast. Well, they, I mean, in other news with Toyota, didn't they just announce they have a solid state battery uh, car coming out, or a prototype coming out next year? I think they're going to start testing. Yeah, they're so, working I mean, with Subaru yeah. on that, which, you know, obviously the last Subaru um, partnership with the BRZ and the 86 worked out great. So, um, yeah, hopefully something good will come out of it. Yeah, interestingly enough, Subaru not having you know, that much in the electrification area, they have some very advanced battery technology. And when uh, Toyota bought into Subaru, that was uh, supposedly one of the reasons they did it is because Subaru had um, uh, so much battery technology under, you know, under development. So I guess that was their, um, they had them in their back pocket to use when they need it. And clearly it's gonna take solid state batteries uh, before we get to the point where charging is going to be as convenient as putting uh, gas in the vehicle. So it's, it is the future. Let's talk about something much more in the present right now and a vehicle that was pretty darn popular around our office, the 2021 Mazda 3 2.5 Turbo. Uh, Greg, why don't you start on this one? Yeah, so the uh, I've always been a big Mazda fan and you could always ask for more power and that's what they did. Unlike, you know, we were just talking about Subaru. Yeah. Uh, Mazda seems to listen and they, they gave us quite a bit more power with the 2.5 turbo. Um, you know, I actually didn't get a chance to drive it, uh, really wanted to, but from what I've heard Brian say and a lot of other outlets, sweet. yeah, it's, uh, it's up sweet. to, was it 250 horsepower, 320 pound feet of torque, um, which today's standards doesn't sound like a lot, but when you get into a Mazda three type car, it is a lot. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, I think it's, they also, they're sticking with a six-speed auto, which I'm curious to hear uh, Brian's take on that again. But they're kind of the ones who don't or haven't really jumped on board with the eight, nine, 10-speed transmission jet. They seem to stick with what works, and it does work. You know, I, 
I think it's a pretty sweet powertrain when they match it with their engine. So I'm curious to hear what Brian has to say about it. Yeah, so the big thing with Mazda recently is they're, they're on a mission to refine everything. You know, for years, we've always loved riding them and say, but then we say, oh, it's so rough and uncomfortable and everything. Um, they're upping their game as far as interiors and overall refinement. That was the big deal with this car. The engine's the same that's in the CX-9, but it wouldn't quite fit in there, so they had to do some tweaking. Um, while they were doing the tweaking, they took advantage of that to make it a little more powerful and a little more responsive as well. But again, refinement was the key. They didn't want this to be like turbos in the name, but they didn't want it to be like a tuner car, um, standout kind of thing. They wanted it to be ultra refined, smooth power. And that was a big reason for sticking with the six speed, Greg. Um, they wanted, you know, when you got on it, they wanted a normal one downshift and you take off, not gear shuffling and anything that was, would disturb the overall driving uh, process. All wheel drive is standard. They tweaked that a little bit as well to make it handle even better. Um, so overall, it's not only more powerful, but just a much more refined and better to drive Mazda 3. Benny, I know you didn't, weren't able to drive it being so far away, but any comment on just uh, on what you know about the car or Mazda in general? Sounds incredible, guys. I mean, just listening to you guys talk about it makes me wish I could drive it right now. It's a so really I just have one quick question. small car. So, go ahead. It's a, you said that the focus is on um, smoothness and stuff like that, Brian. Is there any performance aspects to it at all that can be toggled in at all to take advantage of? Sure. There, there's a sport mode, which stiffens everything up, but it uh, doesn't really change the overall engine characteristic. Um, they made they benchmarked uh, BMW and Porsche engines when they were tuning this thing. It has a much different feel than the same engine in like the CX-9. Yeah, it's just super smooth. It's just I remember the fire breathing early turbos in the uh, in the their sport utes and how awesome they were. That so and the, and the hot rods. Yeah, the Mazda Speed Three was pretty pretty wild too. Yeah. Um, they hinted that mm. they may have something like that coming eventually, but uh, this is more Sweet. to take. Yeah, this is more to take them up market and uh, draw a little more attention that way. It's really Very great cool. to see them still putting engineering resources into the sedan area, and and staying. I think even truer to their roots than they've been in in large part in the last twenty years. So it's sedan or hatchback. It's uh, just like the rest of the Mazda three lineup. I think the sedan market, it lives down here in South Carolina. There's yeah. nothing but sedans wall to wall. This is where all the Dodge Chargers live. <laughs> it, it, it would be kind of sweet to see if they could take that engine and shoehorn it into a Miata, but I'm, that's probably uh, something that's not going to happen. I, yeah. I, think, I think it's a, like kind of interesting that like we've all loved Mazdas and their sales all, aren't really there. Yeah. And it seems like they're taking a little bit of a different approach than other manufacturers. Like instead of like dumbing things down and making it more accessible and a little bit cheaper. They're like going the opposite way. They're like, well, if we're not selling a ton, why don't we go more upscale and grab like the higher market people? So maybe they're just kind of, I don't know, maybe assuming they're not going to ever get the sales of a Toyota or even Hyundai. And they're just like, well, let's, let's appeal to the more premium grownups. Well, remember they're partially, yeah. uh, you know, Toyota has invested in Mazda too. So again, there could be some grand corporate scheme there to make them stand out in, in that direction instead of being a me too. 
Okay, let's move on to uh, Benny. This is yours. We um, Benny uh, is the guru, as we said at the beginning, for all things retro review on Motor Week, and and I will give credit where credit is due. Largely responsible for the two to three million uh, views we get on our retro reviews every month on our YouTube channel. Uh, and Benny, tell us a little bit more about what the whole process, what you got coming up, but just. Give us a retro review review, if you would. Yes, sir. I'm busy archiving our, uh, we have most of these living on Umatic and beta tapes, and mm -hmm. I'm in the process of digitizing those, really, so that I can more easily get them out there in the highest quality possible those, for retros. Those are the big tapes, the Umatics, the, the ones that yeah. look like a book. A, <laughs> a quarter book, so. I could awkwardly reach for one and show you right now, but it would be, yeah. it'd be a mess. <laughs> anyway. I've got about um, up to season 13 fully archived and I'm going to be working and that takes us to like 91, 92, 93. So I'm going to be working to do the rest of the 90s and um, we've been doing a lot of live stream seasons uh, over the course of this year and this uh, right after Christmas we got one coming up. This is probably going to be too late for anybody watching this but um, but look for them in the future. We'll give you plenty of advanced warning and um, it's pretty fun to see the show in its entirety and how it changes episode to episode, season to season. <laughs> Hairstyles or lack of hair. This, this is the, uh, uh, the upcoming one is uh, season 10, part two. And this is the puffy blue winter jacket, John Davis. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how do people find out when you're going to do something special on the retro reviews? Uh, the easiest way is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And once you've done that, you'll get, um, I've, Two weeks in advance, I'll make a, uh, a thumbnail that says what's happening, season 10, part two. And it'll be on YouTube. If you subscribe to us, it'll pop up in your YouTube feed that it's up and coming. And you can click remind me when it airs and you'll get plenty of reminder. And um, mm -hmm. anywhere Motor Week is, uh, Instagram, all that stuff, it's all there as well. On a notification. Yeah, it's in case you're wondering, that's youtube.com slash Motor Week. And uh, like Benny said, Go on there and subscribe. Uh, everything we do on the program ends up on there one way or the other. So, including all the, all the retros. Benny D, I'm curious how you're coming up with like what you choose to go up on Thursdays. Are we doing them on like Sundays or Fridays now too? Like we're doing. Yeah, yeah. I do. Uh, I'm do on Sundays. I'm doing uh, what I would like to call less satisfying pieces that are <laughs> a few minutes long or something like that. Stuff that I'd really hear a lot of flack about for doing on a Thursday. But surprising to me, they're getting as many views. I threw one of it. It was a Dodge D100 or D250 diesel. Mm. It was only a two minute piece. That thing took off fast. And really? other stuff like that, factory tours, a lot of that stuff on Sundays. A lot mm. of weird over the edges and uh, things like that. Talk to, talk to the people who like consistently ask for like cars that we've either already done or just like haven't gotten to yet because like I feel bad there's so many people who are like asking constantly but yeah. I think we have to remember that like so many people are asking for them. it's impossible excellent. to keep up this is an excellent uh, thank you for that <laughs> segue if you will um basically the request list ended a couple of years ago when it reached 5,000 requests guys. Oh. <laughs> I hear you <laughs> and I know when a video finally posts and I have to read comments that say, finally, you listened. I've been waiting for three years. 
I assure you, it's just merely coincidence that that video aired that day. It wasn't because I'm granting requests in order that I'm receiving them. So I'm getting through it all, I swear. Sometimes, uh, I mean, historically, we only really test a vehicle when it first introduces our mid-cycle refresh. So a lot of people are you know, exclusively asking for some year somewhere in the middle of the vehicle's run that we simply just don't have. But I'm doing my best to it's, answer. It's mostly, it's mostly Robinson writing actual letters <laughs> to the station. <laughs> I miss you, Robin. <laughs> we'll keep up too the good work. Go, go ahead, Brian. I was saying too soon. <laughs> keep up the good work because uh, I know it's a highlight for so many folks that, that want to follow the show. Absolutely. Let's move on now to our lightning round. And um, this is our last podcast of the year. And it would be pretty easy to pick something negative that happened this year. So let's think about positive aspects uh, in the auto industry this year, and maybe even if you want to gravitate towards what you personally think is an important story uh, that will have effect uh, in years to come. Anything, really. Uh, who wants to start? Uh, the year in review. That's what we'll call this lightning round. Mr. Uh, Robinson? Oh, no, Greg, you, you yeah. had your hand up. Go ahead. I'll start. Uh, yeah, with the... Uh trying to stay positive with the automotive industry in mind. I think um, the fact that we got a Bronco uh, come back, I mean, that's obviously the big news, but I think, I think I'm going to go more toward like how we and really the whole automotive industry responded to this really crappy situation. We, I mean, we were down there for a few weeks and um, we didn't just quit and just say, whatever, we'll wait till 2021. I mean, we got a lot of stuff done. We went on events. I mean, we were producing shows by the summer. I mean, full shows. Granted, it's been really, really hard because we're all from working from home. Um, but, you know, we just did it, which I think is says a lot about us and the automotive industry in general. We all just kind of found a way. It's not ideal, but we did. <laughs> we can pat ourselves on the back. We did a really nice job. Um, so that's cool. And then looking forward to 2021. Um, there's a lot of cool cars coming out again. I'll go say the Bronco again, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to normal if that ever happens. Oh, I think it will. Brian? Uh, my answer for the best thing of the year and looking forward to next year is actually the same. Uh, working from home. It's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. You really like that. You're into that, huh? Uh, yes, sir. If I had to say something automotive, I hate to uh, mention another Ford because Greg already did, but the fact that uh, Ford took EV seriously and brought out uh, an incredible one with the Mustang Mach-E, um, you know, we can debate all day whether it should be called a Mustang or not, but uh, the fact of the matter is it's a pretty awesome EV and uh, I'm glad to see, I'm glad to see that from this year. Benjamin? Good things to say about 2020, or at least the fact it's leaving us. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty rough one, man. I will be glad when uh, when it's over. But I, I, I think the Bronco is awesome too, and whatever competition that may stiffen up on Jeep's end, and maybe even some newcomers. I know. I wish somebody would buy the International Scout name and make that yeah. or something like that. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, other than that, it's been a pretty rough one, Matt. <laughs> a lot of positives on this end. You know, the uh, the thing that I'll comment about, and it kind of plays off what both 
Greg and Brian said, is the incredible resilience of the auto industry. I mean, one, one um, acquaintance inside the business said, you can't stop new car development. So even though the factories were down for a while and even now are not working full steam, um, they basically continued to develop and we saw the Bronco, you know, finally emerge and there's all sorts of other new product uh, that are not just in the pipelines, they're almost ready to be shipped. And at the same time, all the gloom and doom about auto sales, while it certainly lasted for a couple of months in March and April, uh, auto sales sprang back enormously fast as dealers figured out to how to sell cars through the pandemic. Uh, and, you know, they haven't set any kind of records or anything, but there's an awful lot of new sheet metal that has moved this year, and the industry has continued to, on their course to develop new products almost every week uh, for the past six months. It's been some new vehicle or some new EV, and the media part of it, they tried to start up press trips uh, in late summer. Uh, some were done, some were not. Uh, they've, on the other hand, uh, they've gone to more online reveals, which have been very thorough, not the quick uh, peak that we uh, were used to. So all in all, I think the resilience of the industry uh, bodes very well for the future. And I think once they are able to put the pedal down fully, uh, it's going to be full speed ahead. And, you know, I think our problem is going to be just exactly what it's always been is keeping up uh, with all the new stuff that's coming out. And, uh, you know, we did pump, we did get back on the air very quickly. We were one of the first national TV shows producing new episodes. But as Greg and Brian both uh, intimated, that whole time we were down, we were filling up uh, YouTube and our website with new material. So, you know, it's got, it took, the pandemic didn't take us out of action and it didn't take the auto industry out of action. And I think that bodes very well for the future. And, and for these uh, gentlemen and all the rest of our staff who made it all possible. Okay, we have a uh, question from Bowman. And uh, is it normal? This is totally different, folks. Is it normal for brakes to squeak in cold weather? Who would uh, like to dive into that one? If it's on my car, yeah. Well, everything squeaks on my car, so. <laughs> You know, I'm, my experience has been it's combination of junk on the road, getting in the between the pads and the rotors, and maybe some of the the uh, uh, calipers don't have enough uh, grease on them, so they're not sliding back and forth well enough. There's rust that builds up even when you don't drive a car for a few days. So I don't think uh, a little bit of squeaking and rust of uh, brakes is uh, anything much to worry about. Uh, unless it doesn't change, unless it just stays and of course gets worse, then it's telling you something else is wrong. Brian, any comment there? Uh, I would probably defer most of my time to Benny D. He's much more of a mechanic than I am. Uh, but I would say squealing is never normal. Um, there is definitely a problem. If it goes away, it's just, you know, one time you're first breaking, you know, maybe that's rust, as you mentioned. But yeah, it should definitely be addressed. The only time it's normal is like ceramics. Sometimes they squeak till they get warmed up. Um, but yeah, you definitely have something that you should look into. No question about that if it continues. Benny, you've got more experience taking apart brakes on uh, older vehicles than any of the rest of us. Yeah, I mean, just from your guys' point, 
the, the definitely the, the upper pins make sure they're greased and you know salt gets everywhere and i'd say um if you can find a safe place to get it up to 30 40 miles an hour and just come down on the brakes hard a couple times and see if that fixes your problem that's always the cheapest and easiest way to start that's good advice it'll teach you a little bit about your car too you know how long it takes to stop but make sure it's a safe place <laughs> Also, be very aware of whether it's squeaking like, um, you know, one side of, say, the front and then the other left instead of the right, because, uh, you know, brakes do not wear evenly from side to side, uh, necessarily. Absolutely. Again, if there's no, um, if yeah. there's no pulling involved in heavy braking and you're still getting the squeaks, then it's most likely something that, that John had pointed out is, yeah. is the problem. Yeah, something caught up in there. But I think Brian's advice is the best. If you hear it more than just a couple of times, get it checked out because it'll, you know, it just, it not only just tears up the rotors, it basically keeps you from being able to stop safely, which in the winter time is even more important than it is in the summer. Thanks uh, for that. And uh, Bowman, I hope uh, that helped uh, answer your question. I think you need to go get it checked out. Anybody got a rant and rave to wrap up our year in review? Anything unusual? You know, I got one. All I was right. talking. I was talking to Benny D about it the other day. Actually, it was so it was so like in the moment that I had to text Benny like immediately afterward. We have the Venza, which by all accounts is a really nice vehicle. I mean, that's it's near near Lexus luxury. Um, but they went the way of Honda, Toyota did, and there's no volume knob, which sounds like a, it sounds like a pesky, you know, like you know, uh, entitled journalist tweak but i you know I'm, I'm i'm cruising i'm on the highway cult of personality comes on i just want to reach over and crank it and it's nowhere to be found i got a tap you got it's just not satisfying to tap or slide or push it on the steering wheel it's a those are efficient things you know sure that's fine but sometimes you just got to crank it up and it, there's no cranking synonymous, synonymous with rock and roll i mean good lord Thank God rock and roll was invented before they took away the volume now, it just wouldn't have happened. And while, while I'm on the subject, again, I have to preface this by saying it's a really nice vehicle, but they did, uh, Toyota moved the uh, start button down lower and to the right. So now like I'm, I'm trying to turn the car off with the push button and I'm like, why is it not turning off? Well, it turns out I was hitting the odometer button because that's <laughs> normally where it is, but they moved it down. Yeah. yeah, they moved it down lower to the right. That was uh, a little frustrating. The old-fashioned uh, turnkey ignition switches were. Okay, oh, oh, no, what happened? Oh, oh, hold up. I'm still here. We still got you. We still got you, yeah. Okay. You know, on the, uh, you mentioned, Brian mentioned the, uh, the, the uh, I guess, I think it was Brian, the Mach 8, the Mach E, rather, and that big screen that it's got in the middle, and Ford put a volume knob. A big there. one. And you know what? It's I read uh, it's not even connected to, to anything. It's basically just a rheostat on the screen surface. Wow. So there's no mechanical connection, but they thought enough about it to put it and shows you can do it if you want to do it. And it's, and and it's right there. Products, pardon? I said, and it's right there for like yeah. prime uh, knob spinning location. I've got one more scoop to add to this fire if I could. Sure, why not? Uh. Please, whoever's designing these things, bring back the volume knob. And I'll give one excellent example of technology that has not moved to the volume knob type format is 
high-end high-end gas ranges guys like viking where whatever the most expensive oven range you can find it's still going to have a dial and you know why it's because it's perfect it's safe <laughs> there's no reason it, when you show me an oven that has a, a hap hap whatever push button yeah, haptic, yeah. then i might try to understand why it's better but you're never going to see that because it's not better yeah same thing with volume did that make any sense? Sure. It did. And, and not to beat poor, the poor Venza to death, but almost every other Toyota product has gone away from just screens to having redundant knobs. And here's a brand new vehicle that does it. So it doesn't. I don't sense. get the move, man. I, I just like, I don't get it. Like yeah. why? It's been, they've been, they've been so good at having all the, that's what I like about Toyota is they have all the knobs that I want and all the buttons yeah. and then, then it's just gone. Well, hopefully somebody will listen, and when they do their mid-cycle refresh, they'll take a, uh, take a notice. By the way, you just got an extra review from the, the Venza. We love it, except. So. Yeah. All right, I guess that wraps up our podcast. Unless Brian Robinson has anything to add? Any rant and rave for you, Brian? Uh, I didn't spend any time in the Venza, so I don't have anything to add. What do you think about anything else? I, I will. Just, I will. Just my usual, my annual rant, uh, rant about horrible automotive Christmas commercials. Uh, <laughs> I'm so tired of them. And it's even worse this year because obviously with the pandemic, they couldn't make very many new ones. So they're just re airing last year's. Maybe I watch too much TV. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But they're all horrible. And uh, I can't wait for the holiday season to be over. Uh, bah humbug. Hey, thank you, Mr. Grinch. But you know, how many big bows can you buy, right? All right. We're going to wrap it up. End of the year. Thank you, everybody, uh, for being on the podcast today. Uh, Brian, Greg, and Ben, I want to thank Jim Bigwood, our audio engineer who makes us sound uh, better than we have any right to. Our podcast producer, of course, is right here, Greg Carlos and Bob Mixter, who invented the whole idea in the first place. To all of you out there that have been loyal fans of Motor Week on public television stations, on the Motor Trend Cable Channel, on our website, motorweek.org, and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash motorweek, and everywhere else on social media that you can find us. Thank you very, very much for during this very difficult year being so loyal to our series. Um, everybody on the staff really appreciates it. We work very hard to keep you happy and to give you something entertaining to watch during uh, these, uh, this difficult period. And we're coming back for 2021 uh, stronger than ever. It is our 40th season on the air. We're already actually thinking about season 41. Uh, so out there for you and you've let us know you appreciate it and we just want to say thanks and let's bring 2020 uh to a close by saying thank you one and all for being a part of motor week you've been listening to the podcast of motor week television's original automotive magazine for additional information on podcasts videos and showtimes visit our website at motorweek.org and watch motor week television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.